Tonight, we are waiting on Trisha, whose computer decided to update itself before it would let her actually podcast with us. So we're getting a late start, but we've decided we're going to start, and we'll just add her in when she gets here. So with that, for Friday, July 15th, this is episode 238 of Potterfic Weekly. Welcome to the place where the story never ends. Nerdy awesome fun. Nerdy awesome fun, that's us, man. There's something going on. I'm not Microsoft. <laughs> I wasn't snoring, was I? I'm a Sherbert Leonard. If I start snoring, let me know. Never mind, I'm not going there, I'm not going there. Uh, we're just having adventures. Yep. Adventures. adventures are good. Good girl. Don't talk face trousers. Stay with you. Ooh, we're evil. <laughs> How's that going? Come on. <laughs> 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 oh, I snorted so much yesterday. It was unreal. <laughs> same same time, same same channel. It's all stage all the time, Trisha. I need to learn how to have a filter on my mouth. Oh, Holy nice. shit! Yes, Scott. They're there to talk about the sector. They're going to worry about homework. I swear, I read them for the stories. (laughs) (laughs) Sex and snork eggs. Awkward. I'm so good on nightmares. I don't think we where the story never ends. Welcome to Potterfic Weekly, the flagship of the Potterfic Weekly family of podcasts. I'm Sue. I'm Scott. And Trisha is coming. Hi, I'm Trisha. <laughs> we'll edit her in if necessary. Oh, that's not nearly as much fun. <laughs> and we're starting with uh, chapter 29 of To Shape and Change and going through to the end. Possibly. We'll see how far we get on this podcast or you may have a two-session podcast that you're listening to. We'll see how it works out. Yeah, we'll, right. we'll edit that seamlessly, not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the number of times we've done that, um, what, two, yeah. three, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. We're not very good at it. <laughs> so. so We ended off last week with Harry having a bit of a problem because he's discovered this weird coating that was over Snape's nerve endings that was helping him resist the Cruciatus because Harry had seen it on Halloween night and seen that there were some tears and holes in it and used his parcel magic to repair it. And it seems to have stuck a lot better than he was expecting. And it is making Snape nearly immune to the Cruciatus. And they think, oh, well, this is very interesting. Maybe let's see if we can replicate this on somebody else Mm -hmm. and he decides he's going to start small and put it in his right hand or something like that but apparently that was not small enough because this isn't actually healing magic he's starting to attempt protective magic and he hasn't done all the build-up that's necessary to make that happen and he almost does he actually make himself pass out yes or is it just almost pretty much passes out so are we on 29? Yes. That was the end of 28. Okay. We're starting with 29. I'm like, I'm looking at 29 going, none of that stuff's happening here. What's going on? All right. I'm just a little lost. It's okay. 
effectiveness. And the other major thing that happened in Chapter 28 is mm. that Snape broke cover and got a bunch of the little muggle-born children who had been who had been kidnapped and turned into werewolves, and he got them out mm-hmm. before Voldemort could use them in some nasty ritual. So that's where this Chapter 29 picks up, is yes. that everybody's paying a lot of attention to him now, and it's weird. <laughs> Snape, who nobody <laughs> liked before, is uh, being hero-worshipped, and he's not sure how to deal with this at all. There's been times when, you know, he would have liked a little recognition, and it seemed like a good thing, but now that it's happening, it's just, it doesn't really work for him. No. no. And he's going to get an Order of Merlin, which he's always really wanted, but still not quite what he has in mind. And, and people are... Impressed with him for, you know, tricking the Dark Lord and getting away with it. And he's going, well, yeah, but now he's going to want revenge. And it's just getting worse the longer that we don't hear anything from him. Mm-hmm. So, and then we change. And Harry is surprised at how fast the months have gone. And he's, you know, he's busy. He's got classes and research and understanding and using his protective aspect of the parcel magic and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> And Mr. Lee has sent him 40 sheets of old notes handwritten by a deceased parcel now. And it's all in squiggles and and stuff. And Harry can read it as plain as English, but nobody else can read it. They're all looking at it going, what are you looking at? It makes no he's, sense at all. He's actually written it in parcel time, which mm-hmm. is an interesting thing. I don't know if I've seen elsewhere having a, a uh, written aspect of parcel time. It seems because... like it would be really hard to write. Why would snakes have a written language? But right. I guess the the idea is it's it's kind of following along from the little tracks that they would make that would um, warn each other away or have meaning to other snakes, mm-hmm. and, and it's become this whole language. So everything is everyone else thinks it's weird squiggles, and he just thinks it's yeah, it looks pretty serviceable English. It's a little awkward in a few places, but you no, know, it works. Yeah, it works. Because Harry just kind of wrote to Mr. Lee since he said he'd help with anything. And he said, uh, do you happen to know anything about parcel mows? Are there any around in your area? And he sends him back this tome of mm-hmm. stuff. Which is <laughs> um, really helpful. So Harry's appreciative. Mm-hmm. So he's making better progress than he thought he might. Mm-hmm. And Harry and Neville have sort of, well, mostly Neville, have ganged up on Gran to get... Neville's parents to a muggle doctor mm-hmm. to see and if she's not, can. she's not really sure about this because the muggles are weird and you don't know what they might do, but mm-hmm. the, it does seem to have been working so far. So she goes along with it. Right. It says that she wasn't as open as Neville and Harry thought she would have been, but that Neville must've just worn her down. <laughs> please, God, please. Yeah. We owe it to them to try something. So, mm-hmm. So they will get to go to Dr. Price. And Harry is also writing to Sirius, and things are starting to relax a little bit because he's kind of feeling like an uncle now instead of just this weird guy who knew his parents. Mm-hmm. And he's also got a job now. He's a tutor for people that want extra defense lessons. Right, So, which is a good job for Sirius. Harry is a little bit worried about his writing to Sirius because... He's probably going to bring up the guardianship thing at some point, and Harry doesn't really want to go into that because he's having, he's fine with the flamels and he's enjoying things. Yeah, but, and he doesn't know Sirius and doesn't really want to go and start living with him. So, 
We'll see. And then we have poor Draco, who's not at all happy about the upcoming holiday. Things aren't great at home. The Dark Lord's out there, and he knows it. And he's got to be a little bit careful, but he's... He doesn't really know what the plans are. He thinks there's a plan to maybe leave England or something, but he doesn't know if that's a good idea. And he doesn't know if Vince and Greg have plans, but he can't ask them because then that might tip somebody off and that's dangerous. Mm -hmm. So he's just worrying about a lot of things. Which is unusual for Draco, but it's cool. Mm -hmm. And so he's come to ask Harry, Neville, and Vincent and Greg about their holiday plans. It seems weird for Draco, but it works for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. uh, mm-hmm. he's generally more friendly with Harry and Neville in this version of things. So they tell him about the parents are going to Dr. Price. And yeah. they figure, well, I don't don't know if they'll be able to do much of anything being muggles, but I guess it's worth a shot. Yeah. It's a way to take another look at the problem anyway, which the healers haven't been able to do for a while. So. And yeah. Draco's teasing Harry about his Order of Merlin thing. Of course. And he's wondering if he can hide behind Professor Snape. <laughs> <laughs> and Coral says, it's not going to be that bad, and there'll be cake and stuff. It'll be good. They might even have mice. <laughs> yes. They'll provide for the snake. Uh-huh. Oof. Yeah. Severus has to find his formal robes. Hmm. He's not so sure about this anymore. Yeah. That's, Yeah. In the original timeline, he would have killed for an Order of Merlin, and now he's got getting one, and he's like, eh, I'm not sure about this. And he's a little bit worried about what Sirius might do, too, because mm-hmm. he seems to be getting better quicker than Snape would have liked, and he's probably, now that he's got a job and probably a house, he might apply for guardianship and so on. And yeah. I guess they did, actually. The Child Welfare Service has approved his request to at least apply, and... Now he just hopes that things don't go too badly in the process of that. Because mm-hmm. he doesn't want setbacks for Harry. Right. And it, this is, and actually, Snape is remembering back into the former future where. Yeah, it's a flashback, know, flash forward. Yeah, it's very confusing. <laughs> I don't know. You know, Black wants to. Black's upset because Dumbledore wants Snape to teach him occlumency, to teach Harry occlumency, and, and you know, why does Snape have to do it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Severus needs to be the one that teaches him because he's good at it, and so that's what's going to happen. Yeah, and he's, you know, I could teach him. No, it's got to be Severus. And he says, well, fine, Severus could teach all of us things then, and uh, Severus, of course, is being snide about the whole idea of being mm-hmm. tough to teach an old deaf and blind dog new tricks. Mm-hmm. And he says the reason that he should be the teacher is that everyone else fights like horrors, and they're not going to actually win against Death Eaters. Right, because they have to follow by the rules, and the Death Eaters don't. So we're going to find somebody that's going to teach him to not follow the rules quite as much as other people would want him to. And, of course, Snape and and Sirius are sniping at each other, and Remus is trying to keep the peace, and Dumbledore is trying to keep the peace, and Mad-Eye Moody's just kind of laughing. Yeah. And Sneverus finally admits that what he's actually getting at, although he's phrasing it in various ways to 
get Sirius mad at him again, because he's good at that, is that Harry actually has some strength for finesse, and Severus is good at that, and Sirius really isn't. Right. <laughs> he's very unsubtle, is Sirius. <laughs> so... Yeah, so then he... So he's teaching him to think while he fights. Yeah, it's probably of... a good idea to teach him to think while he fights. Yeah. And then we have a, a jump forward in the previous timeline. In their ministry apparently decided to have a Christmas party in the atrium, and then a bunch of Death Eaters attacked, because mm, of course... Of course they, they did. Yeah. It's and just... Harry actually does pretty well, thanks to his extra training here. Mm-hmm. Your phone sounds like a foghorn. Harry's doing okay. He's using his training. He's the only non-Death Eater still standing in his immediate vicinity because he does have his training. And Voldemort, of course, teases him and calls him a frightened squirrel. They quit back and forth. It's pretty good, you know, to be able to quit back and forth with the Dark Lord. Harry says he fights like an old man and calls him Tom Riddle. And Dumbledore says, ever the bold Gryffindor. Voldemort, you mean? Yeah, that's it. Voldemort. <laughs> yeah. It's unfair to have uh, adversaries with the same similar in- names. Yes. Yep. Same syllable at the end. <laughs> but he's kind of having to hold Voldemort off because Dumbledore's busy with the rest of the other Death Eaters. And, you know, Snape is kind of trying to pick them off from behind a little bit as he can, <laughs> but he doesn't want to blow his cover. Right. And then, of course, Sirius has to charge in, and this is Mm -hmm. not the time to distract Harry. Of course, yeah, not. And, of course, he gets AK'd, and that's the end of that. Voldemort's like, sorry about your godfather, Harry. He -hmm. was your godfather, right? And then Dumbledore. Dumbledore has made his way through the dozen Death Eaters that were supposed to keep him busy, Mm -hmm. and is now ready to fight Voldemort. (laughs) And so Voldemort, coward that he is, releases fiend fire on them and escapes. And Severus thinks back to that day and how anguished Harry was. And then he makes himself think about something else. And then we shift to Neville because they're heading into the Muggle Hospital. Mm-hmm. And it's a little uncomfortable because he doesn't really know what he's doing there. But they're hoping that it'll help. His parents have been taken in for the MRIs, and they're just waiting in the waiting room, which is always awkward, regardless of whether you are familiar with hospitals or not. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they're familiar with St. Mungo's, but this is very different. So Harry and Dumbledore show up to hang out with them, which is nice. Offer moral support. Mm -hmm. And Harry admits that he's kind of worried about this adoption board meeting. Mm Mm-hmm. These caretakers that he's with have applied, but so is Sirius and some others, and he really would rather stay with the Flamels. Right. He's not saying Flamels, but yeah, yeah. pretty much. He just calls them my caretakers because nobody's supposed to know that's where he is. And the fact that Sirius is one of the other applicants and he's his godfather gives him a claim and it's going to mm-hmm. make things awkward. Mm-hmm. But he has written to the board and let them know that he likes his current situation and he'd rather stay there. But he's kind of disappointed and serious for not bringing it up with him. Right. And just going straight ahead and applying. He um, really thought that Sirius would talk to him. And yeah. that's not what happened. And then yeah. Dr. Price comes back out and Augusta says that Dumbledore and Harry can be in on the meeting. 
And it's, he says that the blood tests are relatively normal. And there's been a few, there's some hormone imbalances, but that's fairly easy to medicate. Mm -hmm. And they did a full scan in the MRI and he's hoping that Harry can kind of combine what he sees from his parcel magic sort of show me what's wrong thing that he does and the MRI and kind of figure some up, some stuff out together. Piece it together. Yeah. Cause they both have pretty serious nerve damage which is not surprising, but then they also have some other damage because they've pretty much been almost comatose, but you know, they've been out of it for so long. Yeah. And there's scar tissue in the brain and that they figure Mm -hmm. that is the, the major problem. And the only way they know of to handle that is to go in and do it surgically Mm -hmm. and get rid of the scars and hope that the nerves will regenerate in between and they'll be able to be more communication and such. Right. Yeah. They want to use some nanotechnology that's very promising. Mm -hmm. And Harry says that he'll help too. And Dr. Price is impressed and, you know, would like him to help. So that's good. Yeah. And he mentions that he worked on Dumbledore during the last set of chapters and he didn't do all that much, but uh, he took care of the swelling and bruising from the surgery and that helped Mm -hmm. some. And Dr. Price wants to know, can he do anything about scarring? Maybe he could do something about that directly and they wouldn't have to use surgery. And he says, well, it depends because curse scars are a little bit different. You right. can't just dissolve them like normal scars. But yeah. and Augustine the only way to, to really tell whether it's a curse scar or not is to try it. And he's not sure if that's a good idea with the brain. Mm-hmm. And Augusta wants to know when they can start. And the doctor says, well, today, if you're interested. And she says, well, yeah, my son and daughter-in-law have waited long enough. So let's get going. Mm-hmm. And Harry agrees to help. And so they head into the room with his parent, with Neville's parents. Mm-hmm. They're unconscious and prepped for their operation. And they're hoping that it'll work quite well. Yeah. And they've all got their scrubs on and Coral has been thoroughly cleaned, which she's annoyed by because she obviously cleans herself all the time. Why would you want to clean me more? Harry's like, I have soap scum between my scales, which is not sterile, obviously. Obviously. So Harry uh, examines Frank first and starts near the shunt and is, uh, starts working on the scar tissue. Bonnie is dreaming next to the cupboard and scratching, scratching, scratching. That's what <laughs> and that some of it is. does dissolve, but a lot of it doesn't. So mm-hmm. he knows most of it is cursed scar tissue. Yeah. So he's he only manages to remove maybe 10% or so. But that's much better than what it was before. So. Mm-hmm. And then he tries it with Alice and it's completely different because... Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing this is because she got the regular Cruciatus over a long period of time, whereas he right. got Crucio Maxima, and that was much more of a curse, I guess. Mm-hmm. So with her, there there were still some clusters of cursed scars that he can't get rid of, but there's a lot of them that he can, and Coral has to tell him to slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he, he has to be helped into a chair because he's pretty much expended himself, and he catches a glimpse of Augusta and 
he can't be sure, but I think she smiled at me. <laughs> Gusta doesn't smile? What are you talking about? I know, I know. <laughs> yes. Um, and then we shift to Remus, who we haven't seen much of lately. No, and he's banging his head against the wall that is serious. Yes. He's been trying to convince him, you know, you've got to go through Harry, you've got to get his ideas about this, come on, it's not going to be a fun surprise, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, it's but, not working. No. So, and so Sirius is waiting, so sure that he's going to get guardianship, and Dumbledore arrives and hands him a letter and says, I'm sorry, but the ministry has chosen to leave Harry with the guardians that he has, mostly because that's Harry's request. And Sirius... Holy cow, that was loud. Gapes like a fish. Trisha, welcome. Hi, Trisha. Oh my god, that took forever. <laughs> <laughs> Is your computer all updated now? Uh, I guess I guess so. Oh my god, it's just like... Then, it would, then I had to reinstall again. I was just like, are you freaking kidding me? I'm done. <laughs> Oh, boy. Well, we haven't, haven't even... got too far. We're just about to the end of the first chapter. Yeah, <laughs> chapter 29. So what we decided was we'd just go as far as we could tonight and then just pick it up next week okay. and finish it out that way and just put the two of them together when I edit them. That's fine. I don't know. How, I mean, I can at least do to 10. I mean, I know I can do to 1030, maybe a little bit longer, but other than that, sorry, I... I did not ex- well. I got my computer ready for for all work for for some school things, and I'm like, okay, I'll just I'll just Skype here. Didn't mm-hmm. think I had to redo all this crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, it's working now. That's all that matters, right? That's true. Okay, mm-hmm. very much so. So we've just got to the part where Sirius is wanting to be Harry's guardian, and Dumbledore has come to let him know that. Harry and the Ministry both don't want him as the Guardian. <laughs> no, Sirius is gaping like a fish. I know. I feel. I in so many ways. I feel so bad. But the Sirius just is so disillusional. Mm-hmm. Well, even even I mean, hell, even Can Canon Sirius is a little disillusioned too. It's true. Yeah. So. And you know he's gung ho, and we love that about him. But he really should have li- listened to Remus. All right, children. No fighting. <laughs> and he's just going, but th- this this can't be right. How did they decide that? The mm-hmm. Adoption board should know. I'm the godfather. I've been working. I've got a house. It's all great. But they've taken the child's wishes to heart, and Harry's written him a little letter. It says, mm-hmm. Dear Mr. Black. <laughs> and Rick's like, oh, dear. <laughs> You're like, oh, that had hurt. Yeah. Hi, yeah, uh, you know, I can't say I was all that surprised when I told the board, was told that I, you know, the board had been called to select a permanent guardian for me. I really expected that you would come to me with this instead of going to them. I'm not mad, just, you know, a little upset. And poor Remus yeah. feels bad for his friend. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the thing is, I mean, I don't know. I think Remus is... Is a little bit too much of a pushover on this one, but in some ways, I'm like, it's you know what? Will he would would he have actually listened to Remus though too? Yeah, kind of so. thing. And just did Remus just let him hang himself? In some many ways, probably yes. 
I think Remus tried, and Sirius was not listening. He was gung-ho, and that was all that was going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and now he knows that he's an idiot. Yep, it's too bad. And Harry says, you know, I just wanted to tell you that even though I'm kind of miffed that you didn't bring it up with me, even if you had, it still wouldn't have gone differently because I want to stay here. So yeah, it don't help. you know, beat yourself up about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Other than being an animagus. Yeah. Yeah, the flamels are going to teach him a lot. So then we jump. Of course, Harry doesn't know that, or Sirius doesn't know that's where Harry is, or he might understand it a little bit more. But Mm -hmm. you play with my yarn, yes, you. (laughs) But of course, there's yarn. What else do you do with it? Yeah, Uh, I was was moving it up, and she kept pushing it down. (laughs) Like, no, I want it down here. I want to play. So Draco is. Entering the ministry's huge dining hall with his parents, and they are there for the awarding of the Order of Merlin. And of course, you know, it's all kinds of pomp and circumstance and all that stuff. And of course, and Reed's all have, there. They all have place cards, mm-hmm. which is kind of fun. And Draco is seated next to Harry, who probably asked for that, so at least he'd have someone to talk to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's all, it's got this golden border that pulses and the ink is charmed to sparkle. It's just terribly over the top. Oh, yeah. And let's see, there's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. So 17 people at this table. That's wow. what I call an intimate party. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Each table has 20. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> and there's a Ticket number, a ticket winner, seat number 18, who uh, turns out to be Mr. Weasley. So that's kind of cool. Yay, I love when Mr. Weasley wins stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At least, is Gregory actually there with him, or is he just him before they get there? I think Gregory's talking to him there. Hey, Draco, been here long. So, yeah, they're together. And then yeah. we get the and, call to order. And Neville's there, of course. But. Mm-hmm. Draco can hear Skeeter's quill scratching. Scratch, 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 scratch. Don't you just want to, like, just send a little blasting charm and just watch it, like, <laughs> in our hand? <laughs> to get, yeah. Mm-hmm. Our- Draco completely misses most of Fudge's speech. Mm-hmm. He starts with it, and then he starts thinking about the various people who are at the table, and he's like, oh, it's almost over. <gasps> okay. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Phew. I got through it. Yeah. And, uh, the minister tries to introduce Mr. Weasley and calls him Mr. Weatherby. Of course. Mm-hmm. But that's I'm, okay. I'm on the gob. I'm, I'm listening at work. Gobble of fire. <laughs> it, yeah, I got Weatherby. Mm-hmm. So, podcast that I'm editing right now, it was your second new job instead of the new job that you're in now. And you were talking... <laughs> About how they wouldn't let you have headphones. So the new job lets you have headphones again? Yeah. Oh, oh, I mean, we listen to music. We listen to everything. Cool. <laughs> yeah. That only makes sense. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's, 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 yeah. That, yeah, that other job was just like, you're kidding. I mean, I was just like bored to freaking tears. Mm hmm. I can understand that. That would be tough. Oh, yeah. I like to be able to listen to something while I'm doing mindless stuff. 
oh yeah i mean yeah i can't listen to books when i'm typing like when i'm like typing a letter and stuff like that because i end up typing what i'm listening to and but the thing is if i'm i don't know just well there's sometimes depends on like I've listened to so many times Harry Potter stuff. Mm-hmm. I kind of it's more background noise more to right. me than I'm actually listening to it, and so it's like I can still do do math and all that other things. But every once in a while, I, I do have to turn it off. I'm like, oh my god, I can't, I can't. Mm-hmm. But music's yeah. a little bit different though too. Yeah, it depends on what it is. It's like Jules can't listen to music while she does. Um, counting stuff because she starts counting the beats instead of what she's supposed to be actually counting because she's so okay. musically inclined. Mm-hmm. So she can listen to books on tape while she does that kind of stuff, but she can't listen to music. Uh, whereas I would probably listen to music while I'm doing more things if I listen to anything, which I, mm-hmm. I don't as often because if I'm listening to a podcast or a book or something, I'm concentrating on that instead of writing or doing whatever else. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, writing I can't, but like music and stuff like that, sometimes I, I will, I mean, I can write with music, but not, not all the time, but when I'm doing my math and designing work, yeah, music's, it, it, it's more fun to watch me, depending on my moods I get into, like mm-hmm. I'll listen to all show tunes, or I'll get into, <laughs> like, I'll listen to Pitbull, because I want to listen to all Hispanic music, and I'll start dancing around and stuff like that, and then I want a taco later, but... <laughs> For some reason, every time I listen to Pitbull, I end up wanting tacos. I don't even know what Pitbull is, aside from a dog. He's kind of not a rapper, but he's Spanish, Latin. Okay. I don't know how how to describe it. If you heard, you probably heard of it and just didn't pay attention. Probably. Kind of thing, yeah. So, anyhow. I heard of him as a musician, but I didn't know what kind of music he did. Anyway, back to the... The story. Yeah, of course, again. It turns out that uh, the reason there was a, a seat to win is that uh, the crabs couldn't come, so Vincent isn't there. Mm-hmm. And so Mr. Mr. Weasley got to draw for his seat. Yes. And he just thanks Harry for what he's done with the werewolves, because, you know, they haven't had any direct experience with them in his family, but it's one less danger to their children now. Mm-hmm. So. That's always good. Mr. Weasley's just always a, just a gracious person. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, I'm kind of glad. Mr. Weasley's Mr. Weasley. He is. And Rita is Rita. My, yeah, my, bitch. Harry. May I call you Harry? Is it your desire to cure scars because of the one you have on your forehead? Professor Sprout intervenes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, and Draco. Oh, Professor Sprout. Draco is suddenly reminded that the Hufflepuff mascot is a badger. Don't mess with those <laughs> yeah, Hufflepuffs. Don't mess with the badgers. We're yeah. <laughs> yeah, vicious, man. <laughs> don't mess with the honey badger. Nuh-uh. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, people keep thinking me. Uh, oh, they're like, oh, look how cute. It's just like, the, like a little bear. No, we're mean and vicious people. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. a reason the Wind in the Willows badger is the one you don't want to cross. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a good guy, too, but um, he gets to live on on his own in the middle of the woods because the weasels can't stand up to him. Mm-hmm. So. I guess it depends on what you're comparing things to. Like, in if you're comparing a badger to a grizzly, then they're probably not going to do as much damage. But when you're comparing them to, like, smaller animals, then they're pretty powerful creatures. <laughs> yeah, they are. 
Well, even even if you look at the, I mean, like Fantastic Mr. Fox, the the Badger w- was the lawyer, the one you go, the one that goes after people, mm-hmm. kind of thing. So mm-hmm. they have they have the they have a reputation. They do. It's always interesting to see how people choose to cast their animals in things and what the um, what the approach to them is. The weasels and such usually get a bad rap, unfortunately, to that for them. But mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they always do. Yeah, although the mongoose doesn't, because everybody likes the mongoose because they fight the snakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the snakes always get a bad rap. Like, yeah. Have you guys seen? And this, I, the only thing I can think of is that they think that they're snakes. Have you seen the video of the cats and the cucumbers? Yes, that's what yeah. I figure it must be. Is like. That's the reaction to, there's a snake behind you. Yeah. <laughs> Straight up yeah. in the air. And why couldn't we... I couldn't do that to my cat. Why couldn't we have seen this like a month ago when I had cucumbers coming out my ears? Because they're <laughs> all rotten and gone away now. We fed them all to the chickens. I don't have any left. But I would love to see what the cats would do with the cucumber. Because those videos are hysterical. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. Although somebody else commented on one of them that they basically do that with anything if you place it behind them when they can't see it's there mm-hmm. and they turn around and there's suddenly something there they're going to do something like that just that the the cucumbers do seem to get a more extreme reaction because yeah my, they my assumption is they remind them of snakes mm-hmm. yeah that's what i think too you get away then you see what's going on snake. then you attack it mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> but, well, I mean, is well, it's true too. Like if you uh, take a thing of yarn or whatever and make a circle of it, the cat will go into the circle mm-hmm. of the yarn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tried it. It works. Yeah, cat traps. Cat yeah. traps it works if you so, put out a box too. Oh yeah. Well, boxes are like. <laughs> yeah. One of my acquaintances who's in the show with me responded to one of those videos and said, "It's kind of it's a similar instinctual thing to like." Uh, moose will go after a man with a dog because that's a wolf pack and you, you want to mm-hmm. get you either get away them. from them or get them away from you because those wolves, you know. <laughs> Scary things, those wolves. Yeah. So Anyhow, let's get back on course. All right. Well, Andy <laughs> wants to know if Harry can heal his scar. And Harry says, well, cursed scars I'm having a little trouble with. There's a, a researcher of obscure magics. Mm-hmm. Um, I would pronounce that, but Abilie uh, Kanyinya or something like that. Sounds good. Um, God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> she said that some believe curses affect the physical body as much as the individual's magic. And it's, it's a theory, but you know, and Harry wants to know more. Yeah. But uh, Crouch Sr. says, um, well, that's kind of over most of our heads. So, so she's going to send him her notes. Which is yeah. cool. It's hard to believe that Harry's this, what, 11, 12-year-old kid. And, you know, he's studying all these things, trying to figure out. And he's probably a little bit older here. But still, you know, grown-up researchers are going, yeah, I'll share my notes with you. And, and they're having conversations. And the other adults at the table are like, whoa, wait, time out. This is way over my head. Can we talk about something a little more mundane? <laughs> You're like, mm-hmm. the weather. Yes. Yes. And uh, so, so Amos is, talks a little bit about what Cedric's has told him and mm-hmm. uh, how do you keep up with everything? And he says, well, I'm just, I'm used to being busy before Hogwarts because I had chores and such all the time. And 
Mr. Weasley says, oh, by the way, can you tell me the function of a rubber duck? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, it's so cute. It is cute. It really is. Well, they're just muggle toys. You play with them during a bath. (laughs) He's like, oh, amazing. I somehow thought they must have been important. (laughs) You can get the the rubber ducks that that tells the temperature of the water, too. Mm -hmm. But that's Mm -hmm. just getting a little way too much. You can get the big ones that are attached to a ring, and then you float inside them. But yeah, those are more true. for pools than bath time. Mm-hmm. And then Umbridge has to stick her oar in, of course. Of course. Yeah. I hate them. Uh, we all know muggles are inferior, Mr. Weasley. And Harry says, um, then how did one manage to seriously injure Lord Voldemort? <laughs> <laughs> They might not have magic, but they're pretty smart and they are advanced. They have machines and things that we don't know anything about. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's not like we don't have useless objects, too. Like, what's the point of a rebel? Mm-hmm. You're right. But I'm sure they couldn't have done anything like cure lycanthropy. And Harry's like, mm, actually... We got the whole idea of vaccines and such from them, because they've been curing diseases for decades. That's what they do. Yeah. (laughs) I like Coral. Well, she's certainly a nasty piece of work. (laughs) Yeah, animal sense these things. Oh, yeah. And she says, well, you've obviously got it in your head that muggles are better than wizards, which is just appalling. And um, the reporter says, um, no, that's not what he said. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Rita's beside him. (laughs) It's it's not Rita, it's the oh. international oh, yeah. reporter. Yeah, the international reporter is a good guy. And things could have gotten heated, but dinner disappeared and desserts appeared, and Greg's like, ooh, trickle tarts! I love trickle tarts! <laughs> yeah. And Umbridge is just stewing about it, because she mm-hmm. can't... She doesn't have a, a power base here. So. No. And all Harry wants to do is go home. Mm-hmm. Get me out of here. Apparently the Flamels are there in disguise, a mm-hmm. couple tables away from him. So that's kind of fun. Yeah. And then we jump to Vincent Crabb. And he's confused because he's supposed to be attending the award cer- ceremony for Snape and Potter. But instead, he's sort of in the middle of this clearing and... He can feel danger, and there's Voldemort. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> this is not good. I'm putting no. two and two together. This is just not mm-hmm. good. Has a task for young crab. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I don't want to. <laughs> no, thanks. Come on, Vince. Walk with me. There's nothing to fear, says his dad. <laughs> Vince is like, are you nuts? And his mom figures out what's going on, and she... Tries to stop him, but it's too late. And she's not nearly powerful enough to go up against Voldemort. So she gets cut down. Yeah. And then he gets pretty much cut down. And all of his power goes to Voldemort. He's in the ritual circle that he was going to use the werewolves for. Oh, dear. And it ends with death, Vince decided, was nothing to fear. Yeah. And we're on to chapter 30. Ultimatum. Ultimatum. And Harry's... Harry can tell something's going on because mm-hmm. his scar is just throbbing and his eyes are watering and he just really doesn't know what to do. And 
Nicholas wants to know how long this has been going on. And Dumbledore yeah. says it was shortly before we left the ministry. And then he, he sees a bit of this scene with Vincent. Right. And it, But it's really, it's not clear. It's like opaque glass. So he can't tell who it is. He just knows that a family has pretty much been murdered. And he doesn't know who. He can tell that Voldemort has absorbed this power now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and now he's feeling better. Someone needs else to shoot him. And then we have Narcissa, who's watching Draco going out to fly in his room, and she's going to check on her friends because they were sick. And so she kneels down in the fire to make the fire call and calls for the crab's abode, and no. Deborah doesn't answer. So she calls for Scrubby, the house elf, and the minute she sees him, I like Scrubby. I think that's a great house elf name. Oh, yeah, that's great. I just wonder how in the world sometimes they come up with some of these good names. I know. Yeah. And, you know, this poor house elf's beside itself. Awful, awful help, help, masters, they, they. And he's sobbing and all of this stuff. She just, so she, says, she comes right through the fire mm-hmm. and says, take me to Deborah, and she, the house elf takes her to Marco's study. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it just looks like a war zone. There's curse marks all over the furniture and the holes in the floor and ceiling. And he's in front of his desk weeping inconsolably. And he's injured. And his wife and child are d- dead on the floor. And he's just, I did it. I did it. I killed them. And he's yeah. rocking back and forth. And he's and, begging her to kill him. Mm-hmm. And saying, no control, I want to die, I deserve to die, and she calls the oars. Yeah, and now Dumbledore has to break this news to people, and he's going to tell Severus what happened. It is believed that Markov became intoxicated and fell into a rage sometime late last night, and he's rambling, saying that he did it and he wants to die, and... Mm -hmm. We just sort of have to wonder whether they're going to actually figure out that something weird's going on with this. Yes, but Snape knows some information because Markov never let anybody into his office. So he knows that's weird. And Narcissa knew that too. Narcissa knew it was weird that she was in, they were in the office too because she knows that he doesn't let anybody in the office. Yeah. And, and that's like he's his, that's his man cave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's apparently snapped his wand, and Snape is like, oh, okay, now this is just weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit too convenient. There's something else going on. Dumbledore said, I, you know, tried the pensive for Harry's memories, but I can't, I can't tell who the family is. So they're, neither one of them are putting two and two together and going, oh, wait, it could have been this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they assume this family was muggles. Right. And uh, then Harry gets up for breakfast and... There's, there it is in the paper. Yeah. Ours suspect Markov Crab in murders of wife and son. He's going, oh. Crab? No. He's dead. Vince has been killed. Yeah. Yeah. And then Severus goes to the Malfoys. And, and he wants to know how they're doing. And he says, mm-hmm. Narcissa is quite shaken. And Draco is upset. And, and you. And Lucia says, conflicted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She can tell there's something wrong here. There's something off. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah even they, they know it's something. Yeah, and, you know, Deborah had once told Narcissa that sometimes her husband drank and sometimes he could kind of get mean, but this is way off even for him. 
Yeah, and the thing is, I'm breaking breaking the wand, breaking the wand already. You, this what pre-caught or whatever the things you can call back the spells. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the like priori and contatum. Right. Yeah. So they don't have that proof now. Mm-hmm. So they're just going to assume. And yeah, and of course we know that he didn't cast the spell. So right. He's probably under Imperius or something. Mm-hmm. Which you know. It's it's exactly the same be, thing. It might be in a way that like he is. I mean, he did kind of kill him because he took him to yeah. Voldemort. Well, yeah, he's saying it's, it's like, my it's fault. It's like serious in the original timeline. It's like exactly. he was. It's my fault they're dead mm-hmm. because he's the one who said we should switch to Peter, not because he's the one who actually killed them. Right. Yeah, yeah that's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. So then we have Madame Bones, and she's investigating. And, you know, there's nothing. She feels like there's something wrong, but all the evidence kind of points to it. And so she, and, you know, Markov is just a broken man. And she goes and finds the house elf. And the house elf tells her that bad people came in and they did stuff. They herded Master. They, they brought Master in the family and then cursed everything. And so they figure out what happened. See, and the thing is, that's one, like, even in, even in canon, that is the downfall of, mm-hmm. of Voldemort. He can't, he can't, something as, insi- he thinks as insignificant as a house elf. Right. Can hurt. Mm-hmm. So. And they love their families, the house elves, most of them. Yeah. I mean, you can tell this house elf is absolutely broken up over what happened. He loved this family. And he is going to certainly report about what he saw. And I mean, he's not going to volunteer until he's asked, though, too, because he is trained for right. to not to be seen, well, not even to be seen or heard. So, mm-hmm. But he's he hears the whole thing, and he can tell them that somebody said, let's make this look convincing, Bella, have fun. Mm-hmm. And she cursed the mistress and young master and snapped master's wand. And he doesn't know any of their names, but he's pretty sure he could recognize them if she showed him pictures. Right. And Narcissa, she's suspicious too, so she goes to meet Bella in Nocturne Alley and find out what happened. She gives Bella a Christmas present. Happy Christmas, Bella. Oh, well, thank you. I didn't get you anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she says, I want the truth. I want to know what really happened. And... Bella's like, well, what do you mean that, you know... Why should I know? I'm not an horror. I'm Mm -hmm. not investigated or anything. And says, well, if he didn't do it, the only reason I can think of for this to happen is him displeasing the Dark Lord. Yes. And Bella just starts to laugh hysterically because (laughs) the Dark Lord is very pleased with him, even grateful, because he gave up his son so that the Dark Lord could get power. And Bella is just crazy enough that she doesn't quite know what she's saying. Mm-hmm. And it's just a shame that he made things difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It wasn't more cooperative. And once he figured out what, what he was actually being asked for, he was started resisting. And then that was a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause Vincent has been given such a grand task, the task to restore the dark Lord's strength. And he did. Isn't that wonderful? And Narcissa wants to throw up, but she can't. So she has to say, oh, yes, very much. Thank you, Bella, for telling me. 
Excellent news. I must go tell Lucius. And she leaves. <laughs> yeah, he'll be thrilled. Oh, yeah, it's very thrilled. Mm-hmm. She's probably the best actress out of the three sisters. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, because she's had to do it more than not, I think. Mm-hmm. And then it's Christmas, and Severus is not in the mood to celebrate anything. No, because this has been terrible, because he's just heard from Lucius what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we find out that Vincent restored the Dark Lord to his former strength, which is not good news. Yes, and that Harry's vision was actually his friend's family. Mm-hmm. And Dumbledore heard that from Severus, and he told Madame Bones and the Flamels. Now he's sitting there with Severus, and they're worrying about things. Yeah, what to tell Harry, when to tell Harry. How to tell her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dumbledore would rather not tell him. He thinks it's too terrible to learn, and especially why ruin his holiday. But Snape says, you know, he'll figure it out eventually, and it's better to mm-hmm. have it over with. Yeah. Yeah, yes and no. Tell him before he go, comes back home from, from like, yeah from home back to school yeah, yeah. School. well they are waiting a little bit they're going to tell him tomorrow but mm-hmm. still and this is a terrible thing for Harry to realize because yeah he's witnessed his friend's death yeah and mm-hmm. he's wondering how come when his mother stood in front of him and got killed and then Voldemort tried to kill him it didn't work. And Vincent's mother stands in front of him and gets killed, and then Vincent gets killed too. Right. How come? And he's figured out that the Cruciatus can be blocked, so maybe there's a way to block the AK. Yeah, so that's his new mission. Mm-hmm. He's going to figure out how to protect everybody from this. Yeah, and now we have Draco, who's getting ready to go to the funeral the next day, and his father has gone to... Quote, clarify some things with the family allies, because they're faced with an ultimatum. And, you know, they kind of know that their kids could be next. Yeah, so they're probably going to leave the country Mm -hmm. at this point. Yeah, and he's just like, woo, and Voldemort is just totally on this high. This this killing kids thing is cool. I want more of this. This whole ritual went great. Crab wasn't even that great a kid. Why don't I try it with Harry Potter? (laughs) Yeah. That might be really good. And then we move on to Scars. Mm-hmm. Which has all sorts of possible meanings. Mm-hmm. So Harry's back at school, and he's still thinking about Vince, and the Flamels had done their best to keep his mind off of it. And yeah. We know that and Alice... he didn't go to the funeral, because it mm-hmm. was a private, close family friends sort of function. So yeah. it's probably best. And, yeah, he's just been studying... This parcel magic and trying to keep his mind off of things, but it's not really working. Mr. Yeah. Lee sent him a few more ancient texts, so he's learned a few things from those, and he's got some insights from the the witch who was doing research at the award ceremony. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm sorry. The kitten has found the ball. I figured it was something of that. Such a brat. She climbed my leg a few minutes ago, and I had to bite back a scream. Oh, you did it very well. Shunked little claws. And we find out that Alice Longbottom has fallen into a coma after Dr. Price had finished what he was doing, and that Frank has kind of sunken deeper into his, and that that's been expected. It's not a bad thing. So that means that they're healing. They've gone, you know, into a deep coma and 
order to let their bodies really heal. So that's that's a good thing. We shift back to, I guess it's Severus is going to talk with Draco mm-hmm. to see what should be done about um, Vince's bed in the dormitory and things like that. Yeah. The Dumbledore said he could just remove the bed, but Snape vetoed that idea because if you're used to this, you know, room being like this and you come back and it's all changed, that's going to be a bigger kick in the face than seeing the bed there. Yeah. So he goes, he goes to the dormitory to talk to the rest of them, mm-hmm. Gregory and Blaze and Theodore and Draco. Mm-hmm. He says, I think we'd better talk, uh, not necessarily about what's happened, but about where you're living. It's probably going to be hard if you stayed in the same room. So if you want to, you can. there's another room available that you could sleep in. It'll be differently arranged. We can have it with only four, or if you want, we can have it five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think they decided to go with the four, and they do change bedrooms. We just go... Time passes, mm-hmm. and it, it's weird, because... Everybody's used to Crab and Goyle being on either side of Draco, and it's just not the same. No. Kind of lopsided. Yeah. And then we have Luna. I love Luna. Luna, who seems to know a little more things that are going on than people really think she does, which is so typically Luna. Yeah. And she says, how are your nightmares, Harry? I had some for a while after I saw my mom die. And Harry didn't know about that, so he's like, um, sorry? (laughs) Yes, it was rather horrible. I still feel sad sometimes. (laughs) She's very matter-of-fact about everything. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's so so blunt and matter-of-fact, it's it's disconcerting. Mm -hmm. And you're like, but somehow it makes it okay. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and she tells him that he'll find out the truth. And he wants to know what truth. And she says, you're right, you know, you were just a baby. Could you let me know the secret when you find out? And Harry is totally bewildered. He has no idea what's going on. And he says, okay. <laughs> she's like, okay, thanks. See you around. <laughs> and Coral thinks she's a bit odd. Mm-hmm. So even the snake can tell. Yeah. Yeah. They're heading up to the Great Hall with Neville oh. at the Hufflepuff table. And... Professor McGonagall has come in and taken the Weasleys away, so something's going on. Yeah. yeah. And they know it's it's probably not good. And what we find out is that the borough has been completely destroyed by Voldemort and his Death Eaters. No one was killed, but Mrs. Weasley had been burned by Fiendfire, and William had lost his leg. Yeah, um, they were the only ones that were home. Mm-hmm. And Bill apparated them both out, but he splinched himself, leaving his leg behind. Yeah. So. so they were going to survive but be damaged, and then the child, the other Weasley children don't come back to Hogwarts for a week. And then we find out that the Boneses get attacked. And various Muggle-born families, mm-hmm. the Cresswells and the Clearwaters. The Diggories, although they're not... Amos Diggory gets killed. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, they're growing, they're growing alphabetically. <laughs> well, I think Cedric was... Before the clear waters, but yeah. And then yeah. the Tonkses all get killed too. That killed me. I know. No Tonks. I'm like, no, she is Mary Ravis. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. yeah, things are not going great. No, no, you don't really want to be around right now. 
And then Ron comes and says, Harry, can I talk to you? Can you heal my mother? And he says, oh, well, I'm not sure because it was cursed fire and I haven't had much luck with cursed scars. But then Coral remembers the idea about taking, basically slicing a little bit of the healthy flesh off mm-hmm. along with the scar and then rebuilding from there. Right, and yeah. using the healthy skin to rebuild. And so he says he'll try. He's not promising anything, but he'll try. Yeah. So um, Ron's going to write to his mom and have her contact Madame Pomfrey, and maybe he can do it on, during a weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when she gets there, she's really badly burnt, and she's hiding it, and she's lost an eye. Her hair won't grow on one side of her skull anymore. She's got damage to her arm and hand, her neck, and then her face, which is really badly burned. So, and it's pretty nasty. She can't knit. Wait, wait, she's magic to knit. Yeah, she uses magic to knit. But she's sort of lost her her will, I think. Mm -hmm. Harry's pretty much appalled, but he's trying really hard not to show it because... She already thinks that she's terribly ill and ugly and everything, so he doesn't want to show it. Um, yeah. So he does his little scan, mm-hmm. and he doesn't know what to do about her eye. He doesn't know anything about eyes and how to deal with them. Mm-hmm. But he figures he can probably get most of her face back to how how it was. Yeah. Um, he wants to start on her arm and find out if it works. And he thinks he could start it now, if they're willing, but that she needs to be asleep for it. And so, you don't want to move and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Pomfrey okay. explains what it means. He's going to cut in and remove as much of the scar tissue as he can and actually go into the good tissue a little bit for a few millimeters or so. And hopefully, the regrowing will work. But we don't know for sure how this works. At the worst, the scars will just be gone and there'll be a void. At the best, we'll have unblemished skin and it might be somewhere in between mm-hmm. so but the, the he's going to start with a little patch on her arm and they'll be able to know right away whether or not it's going to work so okay. arthur says that's all right mm-hmm. and they give molly some potions and put her to sleep yeah and arthur gets to stay with her but they tell him not to look at what they're doing because it's going to be pretty gross yeah and just to let them know if he if she starts to wake up mm-hmm. they work on her for well over two hours and Harry's taking bigger and bigger pieces because he doesn't want her to have too many healed scars. And they pretty much take care of her arm. And then they tell Arthur he can look. And he just starts to cry because it looks so good. You know, you truly are a marvel, Mr. Potter, he says. And, you know, everybody said that there was no way that we could get her healed. That she'd have to live with the scars. And Madame Pomfrey says, well... He's good at doing things that people tell him he can't do. (laughs) Yep. And she thinks they should stop now and work some more tomorrow morning so Mm -hmm. Harry can rest up. And so by the end of the weekend, Molly can look in the mirror without crying. And although she'll never get her right eye back and her hair never grows back, she still looks more like a person than she did before. And, you know, with all the scarring and stuff, not like before it all happened. And she feels much better about herself. And they mm-hmm. they were even able to fix her ear. Yeah. And she can always get a wig or 
charm to make it look like she's got hair there. So mm-hmm. that works okay. And she decides not to bother with getting a magical eye like Moody and just charm it so it looks like a regular eye, even though yeah. it doesn't work. So she's just he's just getting hugs all over the place. <laughs> Weasley hugs. Yep. And time passes, mm-hmm. and it's final exams. Because even with Voldemort and Death Eaters, that's pretty scary itself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Well, I I'm going to go. So if you guys right. finish the chapter and stuff, so sorry it took me so long to. It's <laughs> okay. <laughs> Trish was running away from the final exams. <laughs> yes, I'm running away from the final exams, too. No final exams for me. I haven't, I haven't taken those in for a good 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not ready for that. No. Uh, well, night, I'm glad you could join us for a little while. and Yeah. We'll, we'll, well at least it. now I know my computer works, too. Yay! Yay! I just got to get a better chair. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not in my squeaky chair tonight because I'm in the main house with all the animals. And I can actually rock back and forth and not go squeak, squeak, squeak like I do at my place. So that's nice. Well, have a good night. Thanks, guys. Good night. night. Severus is planning their, I think, are they working on, Severus has got a bunch of students in front of him. And there's going to be an outing. And he thinks it's pretty foolish, but he wants to, you know, we don't want Voldemort to think that he's made them not be able to do the things that they like to do. So they're going out to Hogsmeade and all the teachers are going to be there, but Snape's got some rules. Fight as you run. Death Eaters are lazy and they are not going to want to go after you if you are running and making yourself a hard target. So even the simplest spells can buy you time to get away. And so there's lots of escape routes and just pay attention to what's going on. And so that's, and then we go to, we've got Harry Neville, Draco, and Greg, who've been at Hagrid's, mm-hmm. and they're heavy with rock cakes in their pockets. Yeah. And, and they heading. go visit Trevor's grave, mm-hmm. and then they head back to the castle. Yeah, and it starts to get really dark, and it starts to get really cold, and they're trying to figure out what's going on, and they're being swarmed by Dementors, but the the new wards are holding... They're getting through, but they're inert when they get through, but they still have the power to make you feel really cold and to make you relive your worst memories. And so we have Hagrid saying, quick run! Mm -hmm. And Harry gets knocked down by a Dementor and... Passes out. Yeah, pretty much passes out. And then we jump back to Hogsmeade where... The Dark Lord appears in the middle of the street, along with his Death Eaters, and starts this crazy... And he wants kids. He wants third or fourth year students, because he wants to kill them and get more power. Yeah. So, Snape summons a house elf. His house tells, elf, yeah. Yes. Tells her to get as many of the Hogwarts elves as she can to pop all the students back to Hogwarts, because mm-hmm. that's what Voldemort's after. <laughs> <laughs> she does, and Voldemort is just pissed because all the kids are gone, and he's just beside himself. It's pretty funny. He's yeah. just like, wow. Yeah, because they almost they do it almost synchronized. Mm-hmm. The Death Eaters are rounding up these kids, and then suddenly they're not there anymore. <laughs> just poof, fog on. And then the Orders and Order members show up. Yay! And Harry is. 
he's sort of living the night that his parents died. Yeah, he's gone back into this memory, and it's because he's basically got a dementor on top of him. Mm-hmm. He's getting much more detail than he normally would just with them around, and, and he can yeah. he can almost he can see what he would have seen at the time and things like that. Yeah, so she has her wand out and. She jabs the wand toward her heart and flicks it between her eyes, and there's this bizarre magic that fills the air. So she's actually doing a ritual and mm-hmm. then um, directs it at him. So right. it's something that Lily has found or kind of come up with specifically to protect him that has done this. It's not just that she died for him, although I have the impression that it probably kind of charged up the spell. Mm-hmm. Said so otherwise it wouldn't have done it. I've done it as well. Yeah. And she says to him, when this night is over, I will either be a squib or dead. But you will continue to live. It's all I can give. So she's basically sacrificing all of her magic for this ritual mm-hmm. to keep him safe. And that actually comes in the... The notes on, I think, the first chapter on 29 mention that the reason Snape has this coating on his nerves and no one else does Mm -hmm. is partly just from repeated exposure to the Cruciatus. It's kind of like a callus. But the reason that it's building up this way is because he's doing it deliberately. Like, he's exposing himself to getting cursed this way in order to keep other people safe. So it's mm-hmm. the same kind of sacrificial magic right. going on here that that sparked that, although Harry and his parcel magic is what made it stay coherent the entire time. Right. And then we move on to Chapter 32, Contingency. And we have... <laughs> we have a cat. We have kittens stampeding through the house. <laughs> <laughs> and Bonnie's scratching her face. Bonnie, stop! That has to hurt, kid. And apparently more people reviewing the last chapter had some of the thoughts that we did. There's a a note from Blue Owl that, yes, unfortunately, Voldemort got all the Tonkses, and that Mm -hmm. includes Nymphadora. We are approaching the end of the story, which is in fact true. There are Mm -hmm. four chapters left. Three chapters. Three three including this one. Mm -hmm. Two chapters and an epilogue. And we... The beginning of part 32 is with Hagrid. It is. He, he, there's Dementors coming all through the wards, and he's just trying to search for the kids because he knows they're out there. They were right. just visiting him. Yeah. And Greg, they find Greg, and he finds Draco, and he tells him to hold on to him. He wants to know where Harry is. And Draco had seen Harry fall, so he knew kind of where to go. Yeah. And they find Neville and he's unconscious, so they pick up he Haggard picks up Neville and then finds Harry and picks up Harry and they start making for the castle and before they get too far we get a Expecto Patronum from Flipic. He's got this great shield that goes up. I guess the Dementors aren't actually driven back because they're not conscious. No. They're they've they've all sort of been knocked unconscious by these wards, but when they're falling on top of people, they still have their effect. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does kind of hold the effect at bay. Yeah. So he's got so. this shield just for other people to go into and and not have this wear, wearing on them the, the way that it has been. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> and Hagrid just sort of kicks the Dementor off of Harry. Yeah. It's kind of draped it's over a, him like a coat. Yeah. And at first I was like, are they really Dementors or are they Lethifolds? As I was listening to it. Well, no, they're Dementors. Okay. Yeah. Their auras are still active, but they aren't, so they can't kiss anybody and suck mm-hmm. out their souls, which is good, but... <laughs> but they still cause that uncomfortable feeling. Mm-hmm. And Madame Pomfrey has arranged for chocolate to be delivered to all the common rooms. Mm-hmm. And Dumbledore is shoring up the wards, which is spelled a little oddly, but, you know, it works. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, crabbing... Everybody that's still on their feet is told to go back to their common rooms, and Hagrid takes... Neville and Harry up to the hospital wing. And then he's going to be checked through the halls to make sure that uh, nobody's wandering around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we go the to... Flitwick kind of divide up the castle and they're going to check over everything. And then, yes, we come to Dumbledore. Who's having some hot cocoa, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. Sounds good. I'm cold. Hot cocoa sounds really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the Aurors have cl- are clearing out Hogsmeade, and now they're going over Hogwarts. And it's good that they'd had the wards that would mm-hmm. do this, but it's too bad they were necessary. Yeah, and it's a good thing that, that Severus had come up with that idea. Yeah. <laughs> he knew there were going to be Dementors involved at some, at some point. So. Mm-hmm. Hmm, what if we had a ward that did something about Dementors? That's an idea. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah, let's do this. Mm-hmm. And Harry hasn't told anybody about what he saw, but he's thinking. And he's like, okay. You know, he's got two two ideas that have struck him. And the first is that his mother's protection, but the second is that Voldemort wanted him specifically. And why would a Dark Lord want to kill an infant so badly? It's so bizarre. Yeah, there's something weird going on. And now he's he's not sure what to do about this because... First off, he wants to tell everybody what he saw and see what they can make about it. Mm-hmm. And the other part of him doesn't want to tell anybody because this is a secret that's his. Right. And, and he wants to dig into it and figure everything out. And if he tells people, they're probably going to stop him doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's decided that he's not going to say anything. And so, but he's thinking about it. Okay. It's sacrifice, sacrificial magic, but not only sacrificial but self-sacrificial and so now that's what he's going to be looking for mm-hmm. <laughs> we have Voldemort who is having a temper tantrum mm-hmm. until he remembered his backup plan and so he's like well any child will do he's yep. going to have the wizarding world <laughs> <laughs> talking about Voldemort having a tantrum is reminding me of I think it was Naked Quidditch Match, where mm-hmm. Harry started writing to him. Mm-hmm. It's like, what's the worst he could do? Jump up and down, screaming, kill him, kill him. Kill him. him. <laughs> yeah. Scene change. Kill him, kill him. Kill him, kill him. <laughs> <laughs> Master, yeah. seeing as though there are going to be a lot of balls in there, is there a certain ball that needs to be in there before we attack? Yeah. Thanks, Mr. Crabbergoyle. I can't remember which one it was now. I have a friend that went in for surgery this week. Oh, I got to send her a message and see how she's doing. And I sent her naked Quidditch match. And I said, you might want to read this before surgery or after you've healed a while, because it's really funny and you don't want to laugh after surgery. Not this hard. So. (laughs) Yes, this is true. Don't know if she actually read it or not, but 
I do do need to check in on her. Then we have Harry and Dobby sneaking into the restricted section under the invisibility cloak to try and find what exactly his mother has done. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, Dobby's happy to help. Of course he is. I am going to go let the meowing cat out. <laughs> if I can get up. So Harry has basically realized that if he's going to find anything about sacrificial magic, it's probably in the restricted section. Mm-hmm. And he's not going to just get permission to look, so he's going to have to be sneaky about it. Yes. And he's, you know, talked to Professor Sprout a little bit about what went on with the Dementor, but didn't tell her everything just to relieve her anxiety about everything. Yeah. That conversation kind of reinforced his idea that he's going to go after this himself because even though it's nice that she's concerned with him, it's pretty obvious that she's going to stop him from looking into this if he tells her about it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So he's in the library looking through things and about 2.30 a.m. he finds a book called Honorable, or a chapter in a book called Honorable Death. Yes, and the book is called Ancient Family Rights, Forbidden and Forgotten. Mm, yes. And, you know, it used to be that when families had their rivalries and their bloodline feuds, that the patriarch of a family would sacrifice himself so that the next person in line would get his power and therefore, you know, be able to continue on with the fighting. Mm -hmm. And it also kind of transferred um, any heirs would get magic like Animagus or Metamorph Magus or Parcel Mouth or whatever. To mm-hmm. It made sure that it would continue in the line. Mm-hmm. If the particular people who are around didn't have the gift, they wouldn't get it, but it would make it much more likely that their children, any children they had, would if they have children after this happens. And, it's- and also, the other possible thing you can do is they figured that doing this would help strengthen their heirs against mm-hmm. some of the poisons and curses and such that they sometimes get when they're in feuds like this. Um, Yeah. And so as Harry's turning the pages, he comes upon names and there's a black and a flint and a long bottom and a potter and a Dumbledore. And so this is, you know, been in his family. He starts reading and he is not going to stop reading now because he's kind of figuring things out. And we find out that the ride had failed in a number of times backfiring horribly. And what they found out was that people, instead of doing it as a self-sacrifice, were doing it with expectations. And when you do it with expectations, then it pretty much destroys you. And it's got to be a true self-sacrifice. It can't, there can't be greed or anything like that. It has to be done through love and for love, and mm-hmm. that's what his mother has done. Yeah. And then there's a sunbeam, and he's like, oh, ooh, I've got to be in bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Dobby takes him to bed really fast and drops him off. So. And there's a rune marker that was mentioned that he needs to look into that's part of the whole thing. And then we have Augusta, who's carrying a thick folder into the Janus Thicky ward, and she's going to drop off notes on Frank and Alice's condition. And she again hides a soft smile. She's smiling a lot in this story. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's got a few reasons to. So mm-hmm. It's good. 
Yeah. And she's thinking about Markov, who is lost his mind pretty much and is in the ward now that her family used to be in. And she feels sorry for him, but at the same time, she thinks to herself, you know, it's really ironic that he escaped Azkaban by saying that he'd been imperialist. And now he has been imperialist. And look what happened because now he's lost his family and his mind. Yeah. And she feels really disgusted with herself for thinking it, but it's kind of the truth. Yeah. And then we shift back to Hogwarts and mm-hmm. Neville's, uh, Harry's on the way back to dorms. He's alone because Neville's uh, staying for more dessert, mm-hmm. and, but Harry needs to pack and be ready to leave for the summer. And up pops Luna again. <laughs> yep. And she about scares him out of his skin because she just appears out of nowhere. Yeah. She wants to know, have you found the secret? And he says, you know, I might have. I'm still trying to find a few things, but I've made progress. Yeah. And he says, it's tied to something called a rune marker. And she says, oh, well, that makes sense. You should read Etchings of the Elders. Mm-hmm. So he has somewhere else to look. Yeah, it's and not here in the library, but maybe my dad will let you borrow it. It's about old rune writings and the stone pixies that Mm -hmm. uh, apparently started them. And I bet I know where this is going because I have seen in other fics, uh, people mention that um, the lightning bolt shape, like Harry's scar, is actually also a rune shape. I can't remember what it's called. Something starts with S. It's like Sowilo or something like that. And it's a rune for... I can't remember for sure. It's sort of like power and protection or good luck or things mm-hmm. like that. So no, that they they're going to tie into that, I think, somewhere here. And then, just for contrast, we shift to Voldemort. Luna to Voldemort. Yeah, that's a good contrast. Um, and okay. He's having a great time because mm-hmm. he's just about to become invincible once he sets his plan in motion. Yes. Yeah, he's got uh, Lucius and Trent Goyle there, and he's like, I understand your sons are friends with Harry Potter. I want you to bring them here because I have some questions for them. And Lucius in his mind is going, "Uh uh-uh, I know what you're up to. But Voldemort can see in his mind and knows that he knows now. And then all hell breaks loose. Because Lucius knows that he's been discovered even before Voldemort's eyes darken and he starts to attack him. And so he really hopes that Goyle, Knot, and Flint are prepared and they start firing on the other Death Eaters, the ones that they know are really good, to try to get out of there and save themselves. Yeah. He takes down Peter mm-hmm. and he's just, he's just trying to keep upright himself. And he dives over a tree, and the wood explodes, and he manages to activate his port key and get out of there. Yeah. And he's hoping the rest of them do, too. And his message has made it through to Narcissa. He sent off a message with a spell that Snape invented. And, Yay, Snape. Uh, and so and she gets- Narcissa just sort of comes into Draco and says, All right, Grab take this, this we're, we're leaving. leaving. <laughs> but what? It's, what? Uh, <laughs> Yeah. But yes, this is the contingency plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where's father? Well, hopefully we'll know in a minute. And he wants to know where they are and they're in France. And she's got a mirror and she's just staring at it, waiting for a call from Lucius. We've got two more. Shall we just finish it out? Well, we might as well, I suppose. All righty. You can always ask people if they have 
more thoughts and record those later. But. Mm-hmm. So we're on part 33, coming to a head. Which it is indeed. Yes. And we have Severus knows what's going on, and he knows his watch gives him a little faint tremor, so he knows that Lucius has had to put his plan into motion. Try and escape, so he's going mm-hmm. to head to his quarters and wait for him to show up by the flu, because then he that's the idea. His port key goes to a muggle alleyway, mm-hmm. and then there's a hidden apartment that he can flew to Hogwarts with. Yeah, and he's waiting, and he's starting to get worried. Because it's taken Lucius a long time, and finally Lucius stumbles out, and he's singed and out of breath, but he's alive. And so he mirror calls Narcissa and says, "He's safe. Give us a minute, and put you back down." <laughs> Lucius is like, "He knew. He looked into my eyes, and he knew. And it wasn't quite legitimacy. How do you say that? Legitimacy. Yeah, you got it right. Legitimacy, but it was but, similar to that. Mm-hmm. And." But he could tell that Voldemort figured it out, so he just acted, and the others followed. Yeah. Snape says... There was something fishy about having him bring their sons to be questioned about Potter. So he's also brought his memory of it. Yeah, which... Or he just just takes it out for Snape to look at, because he's got got vials being a potions master. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so Snape takes that off to Dumbledore and says... Okay, here's the Narcissus mirror, and here's the mirrors for the other ones. Hopefully they'll check in soon. And we go to Madame Bones. Yeah. And so they've jumped into the... She and Dumbledore have been in the pensive, and they've seen what happened. And Lucius and Goyle, Knott, and Flint have turned against the other Death Eaters, and they managed to get through a, quite a number of them, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they all got out except... For Goyle? No, not. Not's hurt. They don't know if he's going to survive or not, but his son's with him and they can hope. He's being treated by some trusted healers of Dumbledore's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Bella is not happy with him because he killed he's her the husband. One who, <laughs> yeah, he killed Rodolphus and Rabistan. And <sighs> Lucius killed Pettigrew and uh, McNair and... Dolohov and Barty Crouch Jr. and Jugson are down. Things are looking up. Mm-hmm. Voldemort's following has been demolished. <laughs> She's right. hoping the war will end sooner than later. Yeah, we all can hope that. And then we shift back to Harry, who's home with the Flamels. It's Things wonderful to have a home that he can go to that he actually mm-hmm. likes. And he's reading the book that Luna had sent to him, because her dad apparently did say yes. Yeah. Uh, and his lightning bolt scar is actually a rune called a sig. So there you go. You were right. Mm-hmm. It's not the the name that I've seen in other ones, but uh, they might be related or just be different versions of the same thing. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. So he's got most of the summer to continue his research, and he's hoping that he is going to be able to figure out a way to maybe survive the killing curse. Mm-hmm. That seems to be the plan here. Well, he's been pretty good about coming up with impossible things so far in this story. Yep, that he has. Speaking of, we pop over to see Neville, and Dr. Price has just flew called. Alice is awake and asking for him. Mm-hmm. That was so sweet. And he about kills himself trying to get dressed, and 
out the door and with his shoes on the right feet because he tried to put them on the wrong feet and he runs in there and luckily there's not very many people in the hospital so he doesn't run anybody down as he does it and there she is seated in a wheelchair beside his father's bed holding his hand and he's yeah his father's still out in the coma but mm-hmm. he's got his mother back yeah and then frank wakes up too it takes him two days longer but he does wake up yeah, and Harry's so excited, and he really wants to go meet him, but he knows that this is family time, and he's trying to be patient. <laughs> so mm-hmm. They are going through physical therapy, and Alice seems to be doing better mm-hmm. than Frank is, but that's yeah. fairly understandable. Frank's having he, trouble with words. Yeah, he has to see a speech therapist as well, and they both have problems with their memory. Which is to be expected. And it's more than Dr. Price was really expecting at this point. It's, it's hard to watch, but things are getting better. And it's much better than they were a year ago anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so much better. And so, so Neville's going to ask if Harry can visit maybe next week sometime. Mm-hmm. And then we find out that they're in the news. Longbottom's <laughs> awake and in care of muggles. <gasps> and it's, of course, a real skeeter article and of course she tells them she tells everybody where they are and what room they're in because yeah rita is a witch with a capital b which mm-hmm. is exactly what i was thinking as i was listening to this yeah. oh there's no way they came by that information legally no and so nicholas says okay but you're not going to get to go and see them until we know for sure it's safe And then we get a letter from Fudge. Mm -hmm. Dear Mr. Harry Potter, it's come to my attention you were involved in the miraculous recovery of the Longbottoms. And here, let me take you to task for doing this behind my back because, you know, I really am in charge of the wizarding world and you should not do these things without consulting me first. However, let me be the first ministry official to personally thank you and... Let us not dwell on the past. I'm writing you to offer a proposition. The mm-hmm. director of St. Mungo's is asking if he'd be willing to work there. Right. For, as sort of an intern, basically. <laughs> I love Nicholas. Well, he certainly is full of himself. Yeah. Paradell says, oh, he probably didn't write it. He's, it's not pompous enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Madame Umbridge it's probably, probably did it. Umbridge. And so. they want to know what Harry thinks. And he's, well... It would give him a chance to learn about different kinds of treatment, but he would have to devote part of his summer to it. Mm-hmm. And eventually he decides, yeah, I think I will. I, I mean, I don't want to go there every day, but once or twice a week would be good. Yeah. And they decide that they're going to not hide that Nicholas is his guardian. So they're not going to make a big announcement, but they're not going to hide it because they want to have some control over when it comes out. Yeah. And then we go to Harry and Nicholas giving their wands to the registration wizard at the Ministry of mm-hmm. Magic. They're visiting the Ministry. and They go up to Cornelius Fudge, Minister of Magic. And I don't know about you, but when they go into the uh, office and there's the, the uh, what do they call him, the undersecretary for the Minister of Magic, I was expecting Umbridge, and it's some guy that's bored out of his mind that's totally lost track of time, and he's like, oh, Wow, you're here. Oh, right on time. How'd it get so late? Yeah. Please sign the registry. Mm -hmm. Harry Potter. (laughs) Oh, wow. 
Mm-hmm. So, Minister, Mr. Potter and his guardian, Mr. Nicholas Flamel. And, and, and then Director Mann will be coming. He's the director of St. Mungo's. And he shows up, and it turns out that Director Mann is not Director Mann. He's really mm-hmm. Bellatrix. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. And the minister's alarm goes off, and Pat of Bones is like, again? If he set this thing off because he jumped at a spider, I am going to kill him. But mm-hmm. they get there and they know something's wrong. Something's actually wrong. So she calls for the ward breakers and curse breakers and evacuation of the departments. And she's going to call Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Nicholas manages to deflect this beam of yellow light that was going to hit them. Mm-hmm. And throws back a curse of himself. And Harry tries to go for his wand, but he doesn't make it. And... Then Nicholas's wand gets, you know, pulled out of his hand, and he goes down, and Harry goes over, and he starts doing the the ritual that he's learned that his mother did for him, and he's totally, you know, he's going to lay down his life for Nicholas. That's it. And Harry's like, uh, what are, or Nicholas's like, what are you doing? And Voldemort pulls him off. No healing. Not, 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 uh. Mm-hmm. And... That's when we find out that Dram is really Bella. Yes, she, so it wasn't the um, the St. Mungo's director. It was the clerk that was actually oh, Bella. That's right. Dram and man. And apparently it was Yaxley was uh, director man. But he got killed by Nicholas. And, and so, then Voldemort puts Harry under the Imperius curse and tells him to shoot magic at his guardian. Mm-hmm. And... Tells him to cast the severing spell, and because he doesn't want to, mm-hmm. and he finally he manages to break through it enough to turn around before he casts the spell. Yeah, and, and cast so he it casts Voldemort. it at Voldemort instead. Yeah, and then Voldemort gets mad and crucios him, and Harry flinches and curls onto himself, but he has the crucio uh, protection. protection. He managed to build yeah. it up over this past few months. And uh, so he just sort of pretends scream and flail a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. But then uh, Voldemort puts Nicholas under the Cruciatus, and he's not protected, I don't think. Because Harry, really, ouch, cat, don't claw my leg. Uh, Harry's trying really, really hard to get to him and take the curse instead of him. Oh, <laughs> did you hear that? <laughs> she just went and burst into the table. Come here, come here. I know, I know. Come here. Don't bite me. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, apparently, by the way, um, the, rune, the rune name that I saw somewhere else is another name for it. Um, oh. The Sowilo comes from uh, Proto-Germanic, and uh, Sig comes from Old English. Oh, that makes sense. So, Harry's, you know, got the protection, and he's trying to get to Nicholas in order to save him from the Crocio. And Voldemort is going to do Crucio Maxima, and Harry throws himself in front of it. And even though he has the power, the shield built up, it still hurts like worse than anything he's ever, ever had before. Mm-hmm. It's and, this terrible tearing sensation. Mm-hmm. And Nicholas tries to sit up, and Voldemort calls him an idiot boy, and then he just decides he's had enough of this, and shoots the AK at Nicholas, mm-hmm. and it doesn't work. 
Harry can only watch as the green curse sails over him, but strangely, he's not concerned at all. And in the meantime, Coral has bit Bella. Go, Coral. Mm-hmm. And so we have... Because yeah, she runs over to Voldemort when the curse backfires and tries to help him and then just collapses because mm-hmm. she doesn't make it that far. Yeah. And he wasn't... He's not blown up this time. He survived. He's got hacking coughs and he's... His flesh is starting to sink into himself. And mm-hmm. He's willing himself not to die. Right. And then Nicholas basically tackles him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's got the same burning thing that Harry had in first year because the same uh, spell has been cast on him now. Right. Yeah. So the Dark Lord screaming hysterically when Nicholas gets a hold of him with his bare hands. And we smell burning flesh. No, I will not die. I refuse. I am Lord Folder dead. (laughs) Yep. It's over, Harry. And And we move to the epilogue. (laughs) Okay, I gotta put my wires up on the table because the kitten's trying to pull me down. Uh huh. Those wires, they're just fascinating. Oh, I know. And she's mad because I let the other cat out, so she doesn't have anybody to terrorize now but me. So part 34 is just called Epilogue. Mm. And Harry Potter has finally died. It's been a long time coming, and Severus is reminiscing about this whole thing. The yeah. days following Voldemort's demise have been chaotic and surreal because the Dark Mark just vanishes, and then he's worried, what's gone on? Did anybody die? And yeah. It turns out Yaxley had infiltrated Ministry Security, and he was the cause of all the false alarms as he's doing this. Right, so that he, so when something actually really did happen, they'd be slower to come. Mm-hmm. And Nicholas has provided his memory of everything going on, and they see Harry doing this right over Nicholas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they figure Harry should be dead or should be a squib or something. But what's happened is the the right took the magic that he had at the time, and there was still the quarter that's left behind his block, mm-hmm. or whatever it was. Yeah, so it used that part, but he still has that little bit left. And it saved his life and some of his magic. Mm-hmm. So and Severus has kind of pulled himself out of the, the memory, and yes. as much as... And- he- he wants Harry to have come out unscathed. He knew that the Harry of his future as well as his parent present would have agreed with, you know, Moody. Yeah. Yeah, this was worth it. Mm-hmm. They managed to end Voldemort. And the total sacrifice of his original Harry has managed, has made it possible for this Harry to sacrifice only part of himself and still win. Right. And so, and all of Voldemort's followers had turned traitor had been killed and And so flint and not and lucius get amnesty from the ministry and severus isn't sure about that because they've still done things that they ought to answer for but at this point what else are you going to do yeah pretty much bygones at this point and the wizarding world is different the ministry had shed some of its bigotry and gained some common sense which is a good thing Hard to believe, but true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And most of it was because of Lucius. Yay, Lucius! He actually do some good with his manipulations if he's not worried about gaining power for himself. Yeah. 
Although Severus figures a good portion of that is because he still owes Harry a life debt. Right. So Harry gets part of his magic back when the block goes down and and he can continue his parcel magic, so that's good. And, and he goes to apprentice under Dumbledore in fourth year. <laughs> they call him the lifesaver. <laughs> and... and uh, Snape's like, I wonder if they'd really call him that if they knew that it was a small, round, edible life buoy. <laughs> yeah. Oh. They call him the boy who lived and the child of life and the life keeper and all these different things. Yeah. But he wants to tell Harry what happened. He wants to tell him that he's come back in time and, and show him. So he's invited Harry over to look in a pensive. And Coral's been... Doing quite well, doing all the healing things. She's probably as good as any many witch at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's got an oddball girlfriend, Luna Lovegood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's apprenticed to a possible former unspeakable who can neither confirm nor deny. Yeah. Uh, and um, she's making all kinds of strides in a new field of magic about sustained healing. And now that Harry is 19, he's the head of healing at the Center for World Health. And he's, you know, it's what he loves, so it's a great thing. He's he's doing what he really wants to do. Mm-hmm. And this makes sense of the the beginning. This this isn't the day of this Harry dying, and somehow Snape is still around to um, be thinking about it. This mm-hmm. is the the day that he came back from, right? When the, the, original the former Harry. Harry had sacrificed himself and died to send Snape back. Mm-hmm. So. This yeah. is why he's kind of marking the day by telling his present Harry all about that. What happened. Yeah. yeah. So, and Remus has become a surrogate uncle. Uh, Sirius is trying to, but he's he's just not quite there. <laughs> yeah. And He's not exactly a father figure, but oh well. And he decides, you know what? It's fine. He doesn't have to be a father figure. He can just be the fun uncle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he teaches him how to play Quidditch. Harry is actually really good at it. And so yeah. is Neville, which is yeah. cool. So Harry gets to be the captain of the Hufflepuff team, and Neville's the new keeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Alice and, and Frank both his parents came to his first game. Yeah, that's so cool. And he and Hermione are in love. Yeah, and they're expecting... Their first son, but they don't know what they're going to name him yet. No. So then Harry has arrived at Snape's place, and Snape invites him in, and Mittens is come to take her, take his cloak. Yes, the great sir. Dobby's the only one who doesn't call him all sorts of weird titles, (laughs) (laughs) which is kind of backwards from Gannon, but yeah, it's all right. So then he goes in and sees the memory and sees what Snape came from and what the world was. Like, back then, Snape says, just before he gets sent over, he says, To Shape and Change, which is the title of the story. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, Severus asks the former Harry if he's if there's anything he wants to tell his younger self. And he says, hmm, tell him I said Severus needs a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> if he doesn't already have one, you need to get him one. And Harry says, well, it's a good thing you have a girlfriend. And Snape says, fiancé. Harry says, does she know? Yeah. And Snape says, no. If I have my way, no one else will ever learn that I came back in time. Mm -hmm. And whoever his fiancé is in this 
world. He'd never met her in the former in the future. Former war- yeah. So Harry and Luna get married, and they have a daughter really fast, and then they have triplets, identical boys, and another girl, and they're mm-hmm. all parcel mouse. And Luna seems to have figured out Severus's secret, although she doesn't mm-hmm. come out and say it. Yeah, she just knows these things. Luna's mm-hmm. a seer. And Harry and Luna's best friends, Neville and Hermione, are changing things, too. They shape the Center for World Health and assist in Harry's projects. And, of course, Neville is doing alchemy and herbology. Mm -hmm. And Gregory Goyle becomes the head of the Department of Magical Law Enforcement, Mm -hmm. even more well-known than Mad-Eye Moody. Yes. And he he has two children and names one of them Vincent. Mm -hmm. And Draco becomes the chief warlock of the Wisengamont. Yep, including governor of Hogwarts and has seven children. <laughs> he helps fund things a lot. Yeah. And Coral has a nest with a handsome but stern servant who insists on sticking around after the offspring's hatched. Yes, which is why she likes him. Yep. <laughs> and Dobby has a son and daughter as well with a she elf that Luna had rescued and mm-hmm. named Wiglet and Meebles. <laughs> Great names. <laughs> Meebles. And uh, the Flamels. Their most notable contribution is just raising Harry because they have given Harry something he never had in his early years in the original timeline. They gave him a family and love and guidance and discipline, appropriate discipline. Mm-hmm. And so the Philosopher's Stone pales in comparison, mm-hmm. which is kind of fun. And Albus just kind of slowly steps back from all of his various different positions is taking advisory roles and established some uh, procedures and codes of ethics to help things run a little smoother. Uh, And finally, he steps out of the limelight and gets to be an honorary grandpa. And then he just dies in his sleep. Ancient but content, which is a good way for Dumbledore to go. Mm -hmm. Severus has a son named Theseus Harrison Snape. Mm Mm-hmm. Named in and, honor of the old Harry. And the world will never know the sacrifice that Severus had given and witnessed. That he had done what he had t- intended to do. He shaped and changed the future. Yep. The and that's the end. end. Yay. It's a good story. You know, it's it had a lot of facets. I like the healer Harry thing. And I like the Harry with the snake. I know we've had lots of stories with Harry with the snake. And some of them are better or more strange than others, but I thought that it worked really well in this story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've enjoyed the whole idea. This is the first one, as I think I've probably said in every episode, this is the first one I've seen where Snape gets to be the time traveler. Right. And that's actually a good way to have him be a little less abrasive than canon because he's gone through a bunch of stuff that's kind of knocked off some of those edges. Right. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, forced him to be nicer to Harry because he got to know a different Harry. And he starts out trying to be kind of his old self, but by the end of it, he's just a teddy bear. No matter how <laughs> probably much he not tries. quite, but yes. <laughs> you know, he's I still love... not exactly Ward Cleaver, but you know, mm-hmm. it's fine. <laughs> I love Fix when Neville is involved early because I just really like Neville, and so it's fun to see. Neville getting to kind of come into his own here. And 
you know, as much as it's cliche, it's nice to see his parents also get healed because you always want that to happen for Neville. You know, this worked. It wasn't this total magical, oh, yeah, Harry's a mage so he can heal them kind of a thing. They really did have to work at it. There were steps involved, the muggles and everything. And so I kind of liked the way it all kind of came about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did a fairly good job of working everything in and making it proceed logically from the other things that happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's some things that we just have to accept, like, okay, Harry is a slumbering mage and he's got some extra powers, but it's not like it's everything just comes to him on a plate. Right. Um, he does have to work at this and he does a lot of extra studying and he figures out several things on his own and he finds out some things because he made friends with Mr. Lee and some of the stuff Luna brings to him and all of this other things. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's not all just It's not because, given to him on a silver platter, Yeah, which is good. Harry doesn't go to the library and find one book that tells him everything. And mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, you know, I, superpower Harry is sometimes not easy to read. But it worked in this story because I've read some where he is just off the charts, crazy, powerful, and everything is just so easy to him and and all of that. And I, I like this because, like you just said, he did have to work for things. And at the end where he loses all his magic, but he still has a little bit behind the block, it works. And yeah, the plot says so, and that's why it works, but it's still somewhat plausible. Because mm-hmm. we'd already established that this block existed and things like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to believe that magic exists and Harry Potter exists, then it's not so hard to to take it that step further. And if we didn't believe that, we wouldn't be doing these podcasts. So there you go. <laughs> so uh, hopefully you also enjoyed this story. And uh-huh. yeah, it's been fun to read. And I may have to check out some more of Blue Owl stuff. Although I'm I've actually started reading one now from. Uh, White Squirrel's favorites, just oh, because I, I went through all of his things and continued on for more. But, um. <laughs> That's right. I got a book from him. One of the books that he recommended was free on Kindle, so I picked it up, but I haven't had a chance to read it yet. Oh, cool. I'm working on two books at the same time. I have one that the Kindle will actually read to me, and the John Barrowman one with the Kindle will not read to me, so I have to actually read it myself. So that mm. one's a little slower going. That I can't do other things while I'm reading. It's kind of interesting that our last two fix have been color animal names. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> Just sort of worked out that way. Well, we do hope that you have enjoyed this story and enjoyed our ramblings on it, and mm-hmm. that you will look into other stories. Uh, we have one more story left in the season. Next week we are picking up. Oh God, not again. Uh, yes. Which is another time travel story with a completely different twist. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. we'll see how that goes. We'll play with that one, and then that's going to be it. And we'll figure out what we're going to do for the next season, or if we're going to do next season sometime after that. But for now, we're going to say goodnight. Good night, everybody. And or good afternoon, it? or, you know, evening, or, or good whatever. Morning, you know. <laughs> but it's... Almost Bye. Bye. So hold on to the wonder that those books brought to our lives.
keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night.